And while you're opening your Bibles, I want to just tell you about a conversation I had this week or last week sometime that actually got my mind going about laying down your life for Jesus. And in this conversation, this person says, well, what does it matter if person X, whom I don't know, tells me I must deny Jesus and I just use words to save my own life? It's not like it's only words. And I thought about it and I spoke a little bit about it to this lady. But I want to bring you to our text this morning where Peter denies Jesus. I like Peter. I don't know if you understand the character of who Peter is, but let me explain to you. This guy's got foot and mouth disease. Okay, he's constantly saying stuff and doing stuff that gets just foot and mouth disease. But I like him because he's a spontaneous guy. He doesn't overthink everything. He just does what's in his heart at the moment. So when Jesus says to him, you're going to deny me, he says, I'll never deny you. When Jesus says, follow me, he follows Jesus. When somebody comes to arrest Jesus, he's the guy that takes out the knife and he chops the guy's ear off. I like him. Does he sound like a fun character to you? I mean, he's a real fun character. He's just salt of the earth person. He doesn't overthink it. I don't know about you, but it tires me to try to understand all the social dynamics. Am I alone there or is some people follow what I'm saying? I mean, it tires me. It exhausts me. What must I say now? What mustn't I say now? How must I act? How must I... Can I stand with my hand in my pocket? Oh no, maybe somebody's going to think that is arrogant. So I can't stand with my hand in my pocket. Oh, it tires me. Are you following? Say, so must I greet these people? Now, specifically being a pastor, you know, people look at you different. You know, somehow when you wake up in the morning, your breath smells like vanilla. You just have to do everything right. And I don't know if you find that pressure because you have said to somebody or if you started saying or started living out the fact that you are a child of God. I'm not using the word Christian deliberately because it's been watered down. I'm talking about a child of God. And then suddenly there's all these social pressures and how people look at you and view at you. And you Christians, you walk with the Bible under your arm, eh? So would you prefer me carry the scope? Or would you prefer me carrying some bad news, the, the, the newspaper, under my arm? At least I'm broken enough to know that I need something that can fix me. So Peter is this guy. He just doesn't get social things. I mean, I feel the same. I'm like this guy, but I don't get it. It flies over my head. I go with Rustin and or with my wife and we'll go eat out and I would minister to the waitress or the waiter. And they would walk away, and I think, yes, the Lord did something beautiful now. And then they say, yes, you made them uncomfortable. I did? Really? No. Yes. And then the evidence of that is that waiter doesn't come to our table again. <laughs> it's like, maybe I did. <laughs> and that's how Peter was. Peter was just this guy that jumped in, didn't think about the consequences. Just, he just went head over heels, foot and mouth disease, and stumbled and made all these mistakes. And he'd ask Jesus, so who's this guy that's going to betray you? And he would just ask him, tell us. He would tell Jesus, Jesus saying like, where I go, you can't go. He says, where are you going? Where are you going? I want to come with. No, you can't come now. Well, I will go wherever you go, Lord. He's like telling Jesus. At one time, Jesus had to turn around 
if I got it right, and tell him, Satan, get behind me. This is Peter. He's just, I actually like this guy. So now, being who this guy is, and I want to bring this story to a place. Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane. Peter is the brave himself. He says, I'm going to pray with the Lord. Ten minutes later, what does he do? Sleeps. Jesus wakes him up and says, Can you not pray with me one hour? Just don't worry, Lord, I'll pray with you. I'll pray with you. God. Ten minutes later, where's old Peter? <laughs> He's out snoozing again. I don't know who's got snooze on their um, alarm clocks. The guy that invented that, there's a special place in hell for him. Okay. He is going to, because that snooze button is just too much temptation for me. Snooze, snooze, snooze. I'm late. Who's that? Do you follow? And I'll Peter, he's snoozing again. And it happened again. Jesus comes to me, cannot you pray with me one hour? And Peter says, man, I'm the man. I can pray with you. I can do anything. Doesn't sound that f- familiar? Aren't we sometimes so convinced in our inside, just whatever the Lord asks of me, I can do, I'm going to do it. I'm going to not, you know, I'm going to be this Christian guy. I'm going to be this child of God. Somebody must be sick. I'm going to pray for them. The Lord must just tell me what to do and I will do it. Hey. Or, or, I don't know, that's me. And then God speaks to me. Yes, and I've become such a coward. I've become such a coward. So Peter, so they come to arrest Jesus. He's brave, pulls out his thing. Chops the guy's ear off. Jesus says to him, you can't do that. He who lives by the sword will die by the sword. Jesus fixes him. He heals the guy's ear. He fixes Peter's mistake. It ought to give Peter more confidence, isn't it? I want you to know, whenever you've chopped off an ear, figuratively, know that Jesus can fix it. Whenever you've stuffed up. Whenever you've gone that like... In so much zeal, you did something, God can still do something with that. Know that. Take some confidence in that. It doesn't give us permission to walk around and cutting off the proverbial ear. <laughs> chop them down to size. I met the ladies like, no, no, God is using me to chop down people down to size. I said, uh-huh. Very good. Just, um, I don't know where you find that ministry because the Bible says you must build up. Must build up, not chop down to size. So then they arrest Jesus. And what happens to all the disciples? They run away. They all run away. John starts following, and Peter starts following from a distance. John is known by the people in the court of the high priest, and they let him in. And old Peter is left outside. In the cold, he sits in a corner. Now his master is arrested. His Jesus is arrested. He's under persecution. His Jesus, the real Jesus, is under persecution. What happens to Peter? All his zeal is gone. All his bravado is gone. He sits in the corner. And somebody says, and it's very important to understand... They don't address, aren't you one of Jesus' disciples? The people in the court talk about Jesus as this man. They don't even have enough respect for him. John 18, 17. They don't even have enough respect or dignity or value for Jesus to call him by his name. 
but they call him this man. Aren't you one of this man's disciples? Pause. In the world we live in, how do people refer to Jesus? Put on a movie, and I use his name with disdain. They use it as a curse word. It means nothing. You talk to people like Jesus was just another guy. He's a good man, a prophet. Can you see the resemblance between what happened there and where we live now? This text is not done 2,000 years ago. It is applicable for where we are now. You say, you got a restaurant and say, let's pray. Go do the test. See how uncomfortable it becomes. See how many people look at you. Oh my word. And then just pray a bit with conviction. Father, I thank you for this food. You see that people dive under the tables. They just run away. Everybody's like, heads down. They don't want to look at you no more. How come? Because there's no respect for Jesus. There's no worthiness in him anymore. People look at him as like, it's just one of those that guy's followers. That's the world we live in. The evidence is all over. There's two books of martyrs that you can read. One is called Fox's Book of Martyrs. It's a bit older. And then DC Talk brought out a book, The Book of Martyrs. And their opening story is about a 16-year-old girl, 2001, at school. And the guy puts a gun to her head and says, Are you a believer in Jesus? And she says, Yes. And he kills her. Right there and then. Kyla Mueller, February 6, 2015. Kyla went to Jordan as a humanitarian worker from Prescott, Arizona. Kyla didn't expect that her faith would be tried and ultimately strengthened through an ordeal of capture, sexual torture, and ultimate death. Held by an ISIS leader, Abu Bakar al-Baghdadi, she sheltered two other girls from additional harm. And when a chance for escape came, she decided to stay, telling the other two that her American appearance would endanger them. She soon afterwards, she was killed. She wrote in a letter, I have surrendered myself to our Creator, because literally there is no one else. By God and by your prayers, I have felt tenderly cradled in free fall, killed. You see, the persecution of people that believe in Jesus is happening now. It's happening now. It started in the Bible time, but it's happening now. And the question that we must ask is, will I be able to stand at all? The title of my sermon is, The Fire That Warms You. And let's go to our text. Listen to this. Now, Simon Peter was standing warming himself. So Nana said he was seated. That was the first time he betrayed Jesus. The second time, John came, got him, took him into the court of the high priest. So it says he was standing outside, inside the court. So he wasn't in the buildings, but he was inside the court, standing by a fire, warming himself. So I want you to see this courtyard with walls around, maybe cobblestone uh, bricks laid. And in the corner there's this boma fire. 
Pretoria, you see a lot of guys, they take these 45-gallon oil drums and they make fire next to the road and they're standing there warming themselves. This is the picture you've got to have. Can you, can you see that? Can you see it? It's, the sun is just going to come up now. It's really cold. The temperature is dropping. And they're standing warming themselves. Who's standing there? It is the servants and the soldiers that work for Caiaphas, the Pharisees, the high priest, and his father-in-law. It's everybody that can gain something from a religious system. You see what Proverbs 29, 25 says, The fear of man brings a snare. But whoever puts his trust in the Lord shall be saved. These people are not trusting in God. They're trusting on their favor from the Pharisees, from Caiaphas, from the system. How many times in our world do we do that? We stand around a fire with those that we can benefit from. Our fire looks a little bit different. Maybe it's a bride. Maybe it's in a clubhouse and there's a different type of fire that we're taking part of. They're standing around this fire and they said to him, they said therefore to him, you are not also one of his disciples, are you? Second time he gets asked this question. He denied it and said, I am not. In Matthew 26, 72 this is the second betrayal. He actually swears. Some translations said, with an oath he declared. So it would have sounded something like this. Cross my heart, hope to die. I don't know that guy. <laughs> Can somebody put a rhythm to that? He denied Jesus. It could have sounded with a swear word. However, the Hebrew language doesn't have a curse word. So he could have said, I swear I don't know him. And one of the other texts says, man, I don't know him. I'm not one of his disciples. He's standing warming himself by this fire. What is the conversation at this fire? Just Can we take some license here? And know that these are the servants and the slaves and the soldiers that work in this or for the Pharisees, for Caiaphas. I can imagine one soldier say, you know what, we've been looking for this guy for so long. He's such a troublemaker. Another guy would have said, you know, he deserves what's coming. This man that thinks he's better than the rest of us. This slave woman standing and you know, I heard... He comes from Nazareth. Nothing good comes from that place. He's doomed. Somebody else might have said in that fire. And all those people that follow him, the lunatics, they are doomed too. We're going to get them. Can you see the conversation around this fire? Why? Because their influence has come from the, from the high priest. It's come from the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It's come from Caiaphas and his father-in-law saying, we need to get this culprit. He is turning up everything. He is making a mess of our system. He is blaspheming our God. He deserves to die. He must be crucified. And it flows down. I want to ask you, have you stood in conversations like that? Where Jesus gets minimized. When they say, oh, well... Why? Who's this Jesus? 
couple of years ago, there was a talk show. This lady has now interviewed the royals. And on this talk show, somebody says, but what about Jesus? And on international TV, this woman says, what about him? Millions of people follow this woman or fans of this woman. Because you go there, you might get a free car. You might get a house. She gives out gifts and she's so in tune. She's so, yes, the new word, woke. Have you heard the word woke? This is the new word, woke. To be awake and wide open and alert for people's needs and what people require. She's so woke. And she says, what about Jesus? What about him? What about him? Have you been in those conversations where people use the name of the Lord in vain and we deny him? How can we deny Jesus? There's more than one way. First, by what we say. Peter denies him here by saying, I am not. Second, is by what we don't say. Not saying, not opening our mouths. We deny him. Third way, is we can deny him is by our actions, the way we live, the way we conduct ourselves. The fourth way is by what we don't do, also by inaction. And then one more way that has just come to me when while we were worshiping is our obedience or disobedience. We deny him. But like me, I'm sure you, I will never deny Jesus. I'll have the strength to, them, to proclaim him, stand in front of him. This is not a heavy. I'm not giving you a heavy because I've got some good news. What influenced Simon Peter here was two things. One, Jesus knew. He said to him, he said to him, you are going to deny me three times before that rooster crows. And number two, the fire he was standing by that was warming him because that company corrupts good character bad company will start pulling you down the influence of people will start bringing you down who am i surrounding myself what fire am i standing next to who are the people around that fire because i'm not standing alone next to a fire i am brying with some people i'm hanging out with some people yes we need to live amongst people that are lost we mustn't isolate and be, you know we all us children of god over here no 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 we need to be light in this world but our light must invade darkness darkness must not invade our light you see where do i get my warmth from what is making me warm let's read our text one of the slave girls of the high priest, being a relative of the one who here Peter cut off, said, Did I not see you in the garden with Jesus? A slave. How weak can we become when somebody that thinks like a slave can make us stumble? This man that has just chopped off a shoulder's ear now doesn't have the courage to speak to a slave girl. Somebody that is in bondage. That's what slavery is, in bondage. Well, in our world, let's contextualize that. The Bible says if you are bound or controlled by something, you are a slave to that. So 
you can have your own imagination. I don't want to call it out. I mean, you can let it come to you yourself. People that are dependent on something are slaves in our modern context. They're dependent on their little master that calls them after supper and with coffee and the first thing in the morning and the last thing at night to go walk. They are slave to their master that call them on Wednesday nights and Saturday nights and after the 18th hole at the golf course. They're called by their master. They are slave. That how weak has Peter become here. That he cannot say to a slave girl, that is my savior. I will not deny him. Because he's standing next to the wrong fire. He's getting his warmth from the wrong place. And the fear of man starts tapping into him. Pastors battle with this. They battle to bring the gospel. I battle with it. The true gospel. Because they fear people would walk out the door. They fear people would stop tithing. And then their livelihood goes down the drain. They're standing next to the wrong fire. They are intimidated by people. And their trust has shifted. Just so normal people like you and I, when we stand next to the wrong fire, we will get intimidated by people. Their opinion will become so big in our mind that we deny Jesus. The culture of the day will impact us so much that it's okay to stay together. That it's okay to do Wednesday night and Saturday night. The culture of the day, it will say, but God will understand. Have you heard people speak like that? The Lord will understand. Have you heard that? I've heard many people with their habits and their lifestyle. But you know, I'm a child of God and God understands my sin. Standing by the wrong fire. But I've got good news this morning. Listen to what it says. Peter therefore denied it again. And immediately a cock crowed. Three times. You see, Jesus said to him, and this is very good. I love it. I love it. Jesus said to him in John 13, 36, Where I go, you cannot follow, but afterward you will come. Because in Isaiah, he's prophesied and he says, I will make a way in the wilderness. Where we live now is a wilderness. A wilderness of what is right and what is wrong. What are, we, are we right in believing the Bible and that Jesus is the only Savior? There are so many religions and, so, and we're confronted with these people. Good people, nice people, people we like. We get along with them. But they are of different beliefs. And then they say, we all believe in the same God. We don't. You see, there's one God that stands apart from all the others. All the others say, you must do. You must act right, walk right, talk right to be my child. You must be a good person to be my child. Jesus says, no. Man can never lift up to my standard. I will come down to him. God became man. All the other gods, God that they worship, is dead. Jesus, the tomb, is empty. He is alive. 
Today, in the persecuted world, the 1040 window, you've heard of the 1040 window. This is this the Middle East where the gospel is being persecuted and where Christianity is at very, very low. Jesus himself is appearing to people. Jesus himself is causing people, he comes to them in their dreams. He wakes them up and sits on their bedsides. If you go and Google this and read about Jesus appearing to people, you will be astonished of how much Jesus is doing right now to save people in this persecuted world. And he comes to them, I am Jesus. I love you. I died for you. Look at this. Look at my hands. Still not healed. Still got holes in. Why is he not healing his hands? To show people that it's him. Why is there still a hole in his side? To show people that it's him. That's why he went to Timothy. He said, Timothy, put your finger in my side. Feel it's me. Jesus is still doing that. He wants people saved. He came down. You and I don't worship the same God as other religions. We don't. There's a world apart from what the next person believes. And I'm not saying they are bad people. You will not hear of another religion that gets persecuted. You will not hear of another faith that gets written out of law. That is outlawed, only one. You know what's strange? No other God's name gets used in movies but Jesus. I don't swear in the name of another God. Ah, my I haven't heard them say that, but I heard them use the name of Jesus as a curse word. You see, Jesus says, where I go, you can't come now. I'm going to make a way. And Isaiah says, I will make a way in the wilderness. This wilderness that we live in, this world, Jesus has made a way. He is the way. And then he comes, and I just love this, Matthew 3, 11, Luke 3, 16, all talk about the same thing. He says, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. There's the right fire to warm you. It's the fire of the Holy Spirit. The fire that is internal and not external. It is the fire that convicts you on the inside. It is the fire that gives you determination on the inside. It's the fire of the Holy Spirit that says you are my child and then you cannot deny him because he's real living on the inside. He gives you power to testify. He gives you power to stand and speak and say no. He gives you power to be obedient. He gives you power to win people over with love and conviction that there's only one God and His name is Jesus, that He made a way, that He died. He gives you power to look at somebody and understand where they are and how lost they are and have empathy for them and not condemnation and not judgment. He gives you power to know the difference between light and darkness. His fire burns inside of you if indeed His Spirit is in you. If indeed. Because many people will say, I'm a Christian. And they've got no power. They can't speak. They can't just say, no, please don't use the Lord's name like that. They can't just say, you know what, I love Jesus. It hurts me when you use His name like that. 
They can't even say, well, I disagree with you. We don't serve the same God. Because my God requires not me to kill anyone, but to love someone. My God doesn't require me to do religion. Handai, shandai, bowtai. My father makes better bowties than yours. He doesn't require that. He doesn't require to, for you to go through ritual activities. He doesn't require you to live up to some standard. All He asks is, love me with all your heart and all your mind and everything that is in you. Will you love me? That's all He asks. And all these things will fall away. Father, I thank you for these people. I thank you for the service. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for what you've done in the service, Lord. Lord, thank you that you continue with the work that you've started in each and every one of us. I want to pray over the tithes and the offerings that you would bless what they give, that you would see their worship, that you give increase. We ask it in Jesus' name. May the face of the Lord shine upon you this week. May you have the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. May He open doors for you to enter that no man can close and close doors that no man can open. May He put mercy and goodness right beside you and that they will follow you. And pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. 